Welcome, everyone, to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 30 of the 2021 podcast series, taking a look at the draft-eligible prospects and getting you ready for the NFL draft set to begin April 29th. It's just two weeks away from NFL draft weekend, one of my favorite times of the year. It's right around the corner, almost here. I, I, I can't wait. And still, there's a lot to really play out before we get there. We really know what's going to happen, obviously, at the top of the draft with, with Trevor Lawrence going number one overall. We have the Sam Darnold trade going to Carolina, which means that Joe Douglas has decided that Zach Wilson is going to be his guy. I'm a huge Zach Wilson fan. If you listen to my podcast, I look at Zach Wilson, and there there is some Patrick Mahomes in him. You watch the way that he plays, the, the gunslinger mentality, a little bit of Baker Mayfield there, but his ability to make... You know, some of these off-platform throws, his ability, you know, when he's on the run, everything is just one movement, like a like a shortstop. He's like a baseball player. And, you know, like Patrick Mahomes, he has that, that baseball background. His dad was a pitcher in the major leagues, Pat Mahomes. And, and so I look at Zach Wilson, I feel a lot of the same things. I think there are a few guys that can make the types of throws that Zach Wilson can throw. And I think he'll be able to showcase that at the next level. I think with Joe Douglas, what he's going to do is surround him with some additional weapons through the draft and then also make sure that that offensive line is taken care of at some point. I think he also has to address the corner position and get a pass rusher. So I think those are going to be some of the focuses there, probably at 23 and again at 34. And then after that, really shore up that offense, both with weapons and with offensive line help. And then at number three, the 49ers, they make their deal to move up into the draft to number three overall. And everyone's saying, there's no way it's Mac Jones. Why would you trade all the way up to get Mac Jones when there's Justin Fields and Trey Lance? Justin Fields even had his pro day on April 15th. Looked great. And, you know, not many video... Uh, you know, not, not much video there. Not many people were actually in attendance. You know, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were in attendance to watch that. But really, they've kind of made up their mind already in terms of whether... I think this is really do, doing their due diligence overall. But I think Mac Jones is probably going to end up being the guy. He's the best fit overall for Kyle Shanahan's offense. Um, it makes the most sense right there. Um, Atlanta sitting there at number four. That's the big question mark. They've been talking about trading out of the number four overall pick. To me, if you're talking about trading down and not, you know, you're entertaining those offers, I think you're, you're not going to be drafting a quarterback to be the heir apparent to Matt Ryan. I think ultimately what you've got there is you've got a head coach in, in Arthur Smith and uh, and a GM in, in, uh, in Terry Fontenot who are looking at this and saying, Matt Ryan still has some good years left in him. You know, he wasn't the reason why the Falcons uh, didn't win football games. They had a defense that couldn't put pressure on the quarterback. They they had some issues on the back end, and then they also couldn't run the football. Matt Ryan was still in the top five in terms of passing yards. You get him a weapon like Kyle, Kyle Pitts at number four overall, and suddenly he elevates that offense. He's one of those guys, you look at what Travis Kelsey meant to Patrick Mahomes. In the in you know the playoffs and the Super Bowl, he was the guy. Yes, you had Tyreek Hill on the outside, but it was Travis Kelsey who was really Patrick Mahomes MVP. That was his go-to. I think Kyle Pitts can be that same type of a receiver. And then when you're talking about how do you stop that passing game? Do you double Julio Jones and Kyle Pitts? Then you've got Calvin Ridley on the outside, who I, I think could have a monster year. For those of you playing fantasy football, I'd probably draft. Calvin Ridley pretty high in your draft if uh, if Atlanta does pull the trigger on Kyle Pitts because I think he'll end up having a huge year. He'll see a lot of single coverage and uh, I think he can eat that up. Cincinnati at five, a lot of people are thinking that this is going to be Panay Sewell and I think there's a, a very good reason for that. Um, when you look at this this offensive line, they've got to protect Joe Burrow a little bit better. I mean, against Washington, uh, Burrow, you know, he drops back Deep in his own zone, Chase Young, Montez Sweat coming off the corners, tried to deliver a pass down the sideline when a third D lineman, uh, Jonathan Allen, came up the middle, 
hits him low, ends up tearing his ACL and MCL, sustained other structural damage. That offensive line needs to be shored up. They need to be ta you know, taking care of him. And honestly, um, they bring in Riley Reef to play right tackle. And, and Riley Reef is not the long-term answer at right tackle. Really, the interior of that line is what needs to be addressed. I look at Panay Sewell, I see a lot of Brandon Sheriff. I think the same body type in him, and I think that's ultimately where he could end up playing right out of the gate for, for the Bengals. I mean, look, they gave up 51 sacks a season ago. You've got to protect Joe Burrow. But here's the thing, and here's why I have Jamar Chase going to the Bengals. I'm already watching what Cincinnati's doing. They ended up bringing in Thaddeus Moss, who was a Joe Burrow target at LSU. He's one of their tight ends now. And you think about Joe Burrow, he wants Jamar Chase in there. You could still get an offensive tackle in round two. And yes, we have a deep wide receiver class. But if you can get a guy like Dylan Radins or Liam Eichenberg or Samuel Cosme and still get Jamar Chase, you're still in great shape there. And so I think that ultimately... Uh, Joe Burrow is going to win out. And imagine that. Jamar Chase teaming with T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Uh, you know, that's going to be a pretty formidable trio for him to get the football to. Miami sitting there at number six. You know that you know the story there with Miami. They, they trade down to, to 12, get back up to six. They trade with the Eagles. And uh, Devontae Smith is sitting out there. They need a receiver for Tua. You know, at the end of the day, could it be Jalen Waddell? Sure. You know, Jalen Waddle's drawn comparisons to Tyreek Hill, but everyone's counting out Devontae Smith. They look at the weight, and they're like, ah, you know, he, he's going to be too too small, going to get thrown around. He didn't get thrown around against any of the big-name big, big name teams. You know, it's like, you know, you look at Trey Lance, and people want to knock him because he hasn't played against top-level competition. Devontae Smith has, and he's been able to excel. He won the freaking Heisman Trophy, for goodness sakes. And yet... You want to stay, well, at the next level, he won't be able to get it done. Don't count the Slim Reaper out. Don't count him out. I mean, and you look at Marvin Harrison. He fell into the middle of round one, and we all saw what he ended up doing in his Hall of Fame career, despite being, you know, six foot and 180 pounds. You know, I know Devontae Smith would need to eat some McDonald's, you know, and really load up on, on the weight there to, to hit 180. Um, he's probably at right around 170 right now, but still he plays bigger than his size. So, let, you know, let's cut that, all that talk about the weight. I, I think he'll be just fine. Now the Lions, I, I think they could definitely go linebacker here. I, I think they, they have some, um, they have a need there. They also need to show up their pass rush as well. Um, I think bringing in Romeo Quara did help. Um, but I think Micah Parsons is a guy to keep an eye out for at seven. At the end of the day, when you lose all those receivers, they lost a ton of freaking receivers. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, when you look at it, Kenny Galladay's gone. He's he's in New York with the Giants. Marvin Jones is in Jacksonville. Amendola, you know, Mohamed Sanu. You know, yes, you brought in you know Brashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams, but none of those guys can stretch the defenses like Jalen Waddle. Bring him in. Don't overthink it. Get your weapon for Jared Goff, and then you can address the defense in later rounds. You know, could they take Panay Sewell here? That's also a possibility. They need a right tackle desperately, but I think you get your receiver. Go ahead and get Jalen Mayfield in round two, and then go ahead and focus on the defense. I think you'll be just fine. Carolina sitting there at eight. They got their quarterback. They have Sam Darnold, and yes, there's talk about, well, maybe we'll, we'll look at a quarterback. Maybe they're thinking about trading down, trying to get some interest there, trying to get somebody to come up and, and take that pick. But man, you stay there at number eight. What did Matt Rule do last year, in last year's draft? He really shored up that, that defensive line, the defensive front. He, he made sure to focus on you know getting Derek Brown and Yitro Gross Matos uh, right up front in, in that draft. So I'm looking at Panay Sewell. You already have Taylor Moten on that franchise tag, playing right tackle. Get your left tackle, get Panay Sewell in there, protect Sam Darnold, and then go ahead and get some weapons for Sam Darnold. I think that's really going to be a, a huge key there for Carolina. I think Pat Firemuth, second round, get your tight end. That's going to be a, a huge key for, for Carolina going forward. I think Denver at nine, a lot of people are talking about this is where Justin Fields is going to go, right? They got Drew Locke. Drew Locke, you look at his numbers, you know, 35th in uh, in pass efficiency. And, you know, hey, there are 32 teams. And, you know, that's just, that's not going to get it done. And I agree. But a lot of, you know, the, the team 
still believes in him. You know, I saw an interview online with uh, with Dalton Reisner, and he was talking about how the team really you know, he wants to see Drew Locke at quarterback. The team wants to see him at quarterback. I think they still bring in a quarterback. I think day two they target Davis Mills. And look, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, if Drew Locke pans out, you still have Davis Mills as as that insurance policy. If not, Davis Mills comes in and takes over that starting quarterback job. But I think at number nine, what you're looking at is you have Anthony Johnson and you have Josie Jewell at inside linebacker. They're not going to be under contract after this season. They didn't really do much to address that that interior of that of the of that linebacking core. They went out and they got corners. They, they let uh, AJ Boye go. They have Ronald Darby and they have uh, you know Kyle Fuller. You got corners. They're teaming with uh, with Bryce Callahan there at the, the nickel. They don't have those inside linebackers. I think Micah Parsons goes here number nine overall to Denver. Dallas, look, let's not mess around. Yes, you can go offensive line. You need a corner desperately. You need to address that defense. If they go offense, there's talk that, that Jerry is in love with Kyle Pitts and he's going to try to trade up to number four. Stop it. Just stop it right now. You need to focus on that defense. You need to get corners. You need to get pass rushers. You need to get linebackers. Focus on that defense. It's not your offense that was letting you down. It was that defense. Just stop it. Get a corner. Get Patrick Sertan and move on. Giants at 11. You know this could be where Micah Parsons goes if he, you know, if he's not on the, uh, if he's still on the board. I think you could potentially see Quiddy Pay or uh, Jalen Phillips come off the board here. I think even Christian Barmore. We know how Dave Gettleman loves his his guys in the trenches. So that's a possibility. But I think Rashawn Slater, ultimately, look, he's, he has that five-position versatility. That offensive line you know, was pretty shoddy you know, for, for a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the season. And so when you look at it, you, on face value, at least a tackle, you're like, all right, well, you've got you know, Andrew Thomas on one side, you know, and you've got Matt Parrott on the other side, and then Nate Solder. What's going to happen there? He's coming back from sitting out due to you know, COVID-19. You got some tackle help. But man, you know, at, at the inside of guard, good lord, you know, you've got, you know, Zach Fulton. You know, you brought him in from Houston. He'll probably end up manning one side. But Will Hernandez and and Shane Lemieux, you know, that was some scary stuff right there. And and uh, so I think at the end of the day, you bring in Rashawn Slater. He can play really anywhere along that line. If you're not happy with Nick Gates at center, you could throw him in there. I just think Rashawn Slater is going to give them a lot more versatility overall. And you know, we if Jalen Waddles there at, at number 11, maybe they'll think about him pairing him up with uh, with Kenny Galladay when you have uh, you know guys like like Sterling Shepard who are more possession receivers. That that's intriguing, but uh, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Philly sitting there at 12. You know, if there is a receiver left on the board in those top three, they go with it. I mean, look, you know, Travis Fulgham, who was a practice squad call-up, led the team in receiving last season. So I, I think the Eagles need to get a, a receiver. I actually have them taking Kadarius Tony in round two. I think Tony might be the one guy who's the odd man out at the receiver position. He might be there at the top of round number two. I think the Eagles go receiver in round two. Get your corner in round one. Avante Maddox is the guy that you got to kick inside. You got Darius Slay. Go ahead and get J.C. Horn. Get a guy who can lock things down on the outside. That makes a ton of sense to me. Chargers, you need an offensive lineman. You know, J.C. Horn's there. You consider that, especially with Casey Hayward gone. But Christian Darisaw, he's the number three offensive tackle in this draft. Don't overthink it. Get your offensive tackle. You need a left tackle. Protect your investment in Justin Herbert and move on. Vikings at 14. They could go Elijah Vera Tucker. You know, there has been some movement there. They, they brought in uh, Mason Cole. They also re-signed Dakota Dozier. So if, you know, I just don't think that Elijah Vera Tucker makes sense right now because really he's the guy who's going to play guard. Yes, he can play tackle, but I think he really projects to a guard at the next level. I think they go defensive end, get the best defensive end available. Could be Quiddy Pay, but I think... You know, Jalen Phillips makes a lot of sense there. I think New England is the team that's going to target Justin Fields. I think that was one of the teams that was going to be there at his at his second pro day. I think ultimately they target Justin Fields. Um, they could sit there at 15, and the way this has played out, there's a chance that maybe Justin Fields is still there. I think New England, because of what they did in free agency, they're going to look to trade up. Could it be for Trey Lance? Sure, but I think Justin Fields is the guy that can come in and... Uh, you know, especially if Cam Newton isn't working out, 
Justin Fields is going to be a little bit more ready than, than Trey Lance to take over. Um, you know, and so I, I think that could be the, the move there. Arizona, you still need to replace Patrick Peterson. I'm looking at Caleb Farley right there. Aziz Ojolari is, is also a guy that could go there. Uh, you know, you've got Chandler Jones, who you'll eventually need to replace. So that makes some sense. But uh, Caleb Farley, the back's checking out okay. I think that's where that happens. Uh, look, the Raiders, Raiders got rid of their, their almost their entire, you know, uh, interior line. They, they also traded away Trent Brown. Get Elijah Vera Tucker. Get the best guard in the draft. You know, solidify some of that interior line help. I, I think that's that's a must. Dolphins sitting there at 18. Aziz Ojulari, to me, is a guy that would really help them. That'd be a guy that Brian Flores could turn loose off the edge. Washington football team, could they go quarterback? Could this be Trey Lance? Sure. Um, you know, especially to learn from Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is the best uh, bridge quarterback out there. Um, but I think, you know, they're not going to reach for a quarterback and so I, I think maybe they, they look at, at Kellen Mond day two. That way they can address the linebacker and they get, you know, Jeremiah Wusukormo. He's going to fall to them there at 19. Go ahead and get him, you know, because, you know, I, I think Trey Lance, obviously, you know, he's probably going to go out, come off the board in the top 10, 15 picks. Um, I actually have Trey Lance going to the Bears. And here's why. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, they were given one more year to try to right the ship and get back in contention. So look. You know that the duo of, of Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, that doesn't really get Bears fans out of their seats and wanting to watch this team play. Uh, you know, that's not really going to strike fear in the NFC Central. Let's, let's be real about that. I think if they really want to make a play to really salvage their, their, their career, go after Trey Lance. Let this kid learn from two of the veterans and let him ultimately take over take over that, that starting job here in a couple of years. I think that makes a ton of sense for me. I think the Colts... They need to replace Anthony Costanzo. Tevin Jenkins is sitting there. Tennessee at 22. Quiddy Pay. Get another, you know, another edge rusher there. Um, you know, they brought in Bud Dupree. But look, you only had 19 sacks. Uh, and Harold Landry's career has been up and down. Get Quiddy Pay. Push uh, Harold Landry for that starting spot. The Jets, I mentioned that they may go, they could go receiver. They could go Najee Harris here. I think they actually tr- uh, target Greg Newsom. The corner out of Northwestern. Look, the corners, they, they've got you know a couple of guys in uh, Bryce Hall and, and uh, Blasson Austin. And, and when you look at them, uh, they were decent, but they, they didn't play exceptionally well either. I mean, just 99 tackles and interception and seven pass breakups. And then their, their backups are essentially a bunch of undrafted free agents. And so it's really the probably the biggest need area and if Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich, they're going to need a lockdown corner on the outside. Greg Newsom's one of those guys that's moving up draft boards. Steelers, they need offensive line help, but I think Najee Harris, you know, they, they need to replace James Conner. Najee Harris makes a ton of sense. Jags need a playmaker on the back end of their defense. Go ahead and get Tre- uh, Trevin Merrick out of TCU. The Browns, look, you need to get an upgrade there at the linebacker position over Sione Takitaki. Zaven Collins is that guy. Very versatile if you listen to my podcast, you know I love Zayvon Collins. Get him there at 26. 27, the Ravens, they could go receiver, but I think Sammy Watkins, you bring him in, that tempers that need at the receiver position. I think you can wait until day two. 27, get an edge rusher. If Ojolari's there, that's the pick. But I think even if he's off the board, you go Joe Tryon out of Washington. He's 6'5", 259, ran a 4'6", 4'40", 34-inch arms, and an 82 and three-quarters inch wingspan. So that's nearly seven-foot wingspan coming off the edge. He's going to use that leverage, you know, that, that length to his advantage, plays with good leverage. Eight and a half sacks in 2019. Um, showed his ability to play the pass as well. Some good lateral agility in the flat. I really like Joe Tryon. I think he can end up being a first-rounder, and I think Baltimore, they need to address that pass rush. You know, they don't strike fear in, in opposing offenses like they, they used to. 28, the Saints. Look, you got uh, Emmanuel, Emmanuel Sanders is gone. You need to get a number two to complement Michael Thomas. Rashad Bateman, 6'2", 210 out of Minnesota. Come on, ran a sub 4-4-40 at his uh, Exos Combine. Get Bateman. Don't mess around there. Get, a, get your receiver. You can get a linebacker in round two. Uh, Green Bay, look, you know, the, the new regime, they've kind of bucked the trend uh, of what's been happening over the last 15 plus years. Um, you know, I think you got 37 year old Aaron Rodgers, um, and, and you bring in Jordan Love ultimately to be his replacement. 
And uh, the last time the organization took a skill position player on offense prior to Love was Aaron Rodgers in 2005. So I think it's not out of the realm of possibility to see the team take its first receiver in round one since Javon Walker in 2002. This could be Kadarius Toney, who I think would complement Devontae uh, Adams and then uh, Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling well. But I'm looking at Terrace Marshall. This is a guy that can play both inside and outside. Um, you know, is a, a threat on all three levels, runs his routes really well. I think that would be the better choice there for the Packers at 29. At 30, the Bills, they have a really deep roster. I think they have some of that luxury. And, and really, yes, they brought in Matt Breida to, to compete with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, but I think they're going to take a page out of KC's uh, handbook. You know, the, the, the Chiefs, they already had a, a full house backfield when they drafted Clyde Edwards Alaire. But they had, they knew what they wanted out of uh, Edwards Alaire. And so they took him with a 32nd overall pick. I'm looking at Travis Etienne. You need a guy who can catch the football out of the backfield. This is a guy with over 100 receptions in his career. Look, you know, Zach Moss and Matt Breida, not much of a weapon in the passing game. Devin Singletary had 38 receptions a season ago. Um, but this is the pass first offense. Josh Allen is the guy. You need to get somebody that can be a weapon in the in the passing game as well as uh, in the backfield. Travis Etienne fits that bill. KC, they needed to address the offensive line, but look, if Jamin Davis is sitting there, you have to take the guy. I mean, the guy is just a, a physical freak. Ran a 4-4-1-40 at his, at his pro day. 42-inch vertical leap as well. This dude is, is an absolute beast. They need a linebacker now that Damian Wilson is gone. Um, and so I, I think it makes a ton of sense to bring Jamin Davis in. And then the Bucks, they're sitting there at number 32 overall. I haven't named a defensive tackle yet. You know, I think Green Bay could go defensive tackle. Look, the, Ra uh, the Raiders sitting there at 17, they could even target a defensive tackle. Why? You know, they, they just, they, they've just been so porous up front, but they have made a couple of picks, uh, pickups in, in the offseason that lead me to believe that Vegas could end up turning to that offensive line because they haven't really addressed it in the offseason. Uh, they really haven't. They brought in Nick Martin to take over at center, but they need, they need guard help. Um, you know, so when you bring in Solomon Thomas, you bring in Quinton Jefferson, you also have Jonathan Hankins there at defensive tackle. You know, I, I think that's where, for me, I'm looking at the Raiders saying that makes a lot of sense to me that you, you pass on the defensive tackle now, go ahead and wait until later on in the draft and uh, go ahead and get your offensive line help starting out. So Tampa at 32, I think that's where Christian Barmore is ultimately going to go. He's 6'5", 310 pounds. Uh, the redshirt sophomore, look, he's only played in 747 snaps at Bama, but he's been a difference maker up front. You know, So yeah, he, he is in, inexperienced, um, but he had eight sacks as an interior pass rusher, used that quickness off the ball, uh, getting quick penetration, also displaying that power on the outside to collapse the pocket and pressure the quarterback. Virtually unblockable in that college football national championship, really harassing Justin Fields all game long. This is a guy with an over seven foot wingspan as well. Vertical leap of 34 and a half inches, ran a 4.9640. Give me Christian Barmore to the Bucks. And the reason why I want to do that is you've got uh, William Golston, who's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Look, Indomitian Sue's back on another one year deal, and you know you don't know how much longer he's going to want to be in Tampa. He'll probably stick around as long as Tom Brady's there, but I think you need to address the, the future of that position. I think Christian Barmore ends up being that guy. So we made it quickly through my first round, at least right now. That's not going to be my final mock draft. I mean, you always know things could absolutely change over the next two weeks as we head towards draft day. You know, there could be another trade. There could be somebody that wants to move up and get a quarterback. You can see deals done. Um... We'll see what happens as we get closer and closer. But I wanted to at least bring my mock draft, especially because it ends with a defensive tackle. In episode 30, we're talking about defensive tackles. And we want to take a look at, at really that, that position. I think this is kind of a, a weak draft class overall for that defensive tackle position. You know, like I said, we have one, possibly two. There's a chance that, that uh, if Barmore comes off the board earlier, whether it's to the Raiders or to the Packers, um, that we could potentially see Levi Amuzurike come off the board as well. But I think really you're looking at about one that's going to come off the board. And when you look at over the last five years, this defensive tackle position, um, we've averaged 
you know, 109, well, 109 defensive tackles over the last five years. We've averaged about 21 to 22. And uh, last time we had as few as one, we actually had no defensive tackles taken in round one in 2017. That was an interesting draft class to say the we to say the least. The, the first defensive tackle off the board was Link McDowell at number 35 overall. We know that didn't work out. Uh, but you're looking at Dalvin Tomlinson. He was a second round pick. Uh, uh, Larry Ogunjobi ended up being a steal there in round number three. Um, Carlos Watkins and, and Grover Stewart in round four. They're still in the league. Uh, David Godshaw. He, he uh, he's in. You know, was taken in round number five. And uh, what's really crazy is, is Isaac Rochelle was taken in, with the seventh pick in the seventh round uh, to the Chargers, and he's still the guy that's playing in the league. So that you know really looks like a steal there uh, in round number seven, but really a, a weak draft class. And so that's one of the things for me. I, I think you still had 21 uh, defensive tackles taken, and really the strength of that that defensive line class was really in the third and fourth round. You had eight defensive tackles taken in those two rounds and so that's really where I think my focus is going to be what's interesting too is is in in 2020 this past draft we did have two defensive tackles taken in round one and two in round two so that was Derek Brown Javon Kinlaw Ross Blacklock and then Raekwon Davis only 18 defensive tackles taken that was the fewest since 2013 when we also had 18 come off the board so it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out I think there's depth really in the middle rounds with this defensive line class. Um, so really what I want to do is kind of take a look at these guys, really talk about them coming uh, going forward, where I think they may come off the board, and uh, some of the fits for, for some of these guys as well. So I uh, already talked about Barmore. Uh, Amuzarike, look, uh, another guy, he's 6'2", 290 pounds, ran a 4.8540, which is really fast for a guy his size. Uh, you know, 25 reps, 225 in the bench press, 30-inch vertical leap. But let's talk about what he did on the field. I think this is a guy who has um, you know, a high football IQ, uh, one of the leaders of the defense. A few guys have as much power as him at the, at the point of attack. Tremendous punch off the ball. Does a great job controlling his man. Bench presses him to get off the block. Can be devastating when he arrives at the football. Does need to watch that pad level because he'll be completely neutralized every time he gets too high out of his stance. But when he remains low, he can be very explosive off the ball. Using those hands to get off the blocks and get into the backfield in a hurry. I think he'll push pl- for playing time early. Jacksonville Jaguars, if you don't take Barmore at number 25, you can wait until the top of round two, get Levi and Muzurike. I think he'll be just fine. After that, uh, you, you, I, I think you may have to wait a little bit before the next defensive tackle is taken. Um, but I've got a couple more guys that I think will come off the board in round two. Uh, first guy that I'm looking at is Davion Nixon out of Iowa. Look, you know, this is a guy who, uh, you know, he measured in 6'3", 313, and uh, a guy that really burst onto the scene in 2020 um, was a, just a wreaking havoc left and right. Uh, he was as, as disruptive as they come, winning at the point of attack with that explosive burst, plays with the low pad level, tremendous hands, working to the football, extremely productive, 15 and a half tackles for loss in 2020. Also explosive as a pass for sure. Reminds me a little bit of Geno Atkins with his ability to shoot gaps, get off blocks, win with leverage, get downhill to the quarterback in a hurry. Uh, and let's also not forget the, the athleticism that he showed on that interception that he took back 71 yards to the house against Penn State. I think Davion Nixon, I'm looking at the, at the Browns. They lost Larry Ogunjobi. Davion Nixon, plug him in right there. Look, you know, the Browns, you know, on one side you got you got Miles Garrett. On the other side, you got uh, Jadavion Clowney. Then you throw in Davion Nixon. I mean, that's a team that could get after the quarterback. It should be exciting. And then the next guy is another physical freak. 6'3", 284 pounds of Milton Williams out of Louisiana Tech. Oh my goodness. This is a dude, you know, he racked up 19 tackles for loss and 10 sacks in his final two seasons at, at, at Louisiana Tech. And uh, so a guy that you know can make plays in the backfield, but also get at, gets after the quarterback, uh, has has an explosive burst, shoots gaps, early penetrator, and then you understand why with what he did at his combine. Four six one forty, a 6'3", 284. 38 and a half inch vertical leap. Are you kidding me? 
and then a 6.873 cone drill you know which is you know that that's faster than some of the, the defensive ends we're doing and then he also showcased 30 you know some power with 34 reps in the bench press this dude you know to me i'm looking at the packers in round two you need somebody that's going to help out kenny clark i think this is the guy who's going to be you know line up at that five technique and turn him loose i think that's going to be a nice pick there for the packers there in round number two i'm looking at, at round three with that defensive tackle class you know a few guys that that are going to come off the board there uh the next guy that i'm really a fan of is going to be Aline mcneil uh he's 6'3, 320 pounds uh, a guy who ran a 48740, 29-inch vertical leap at 320 pounds. Um, so a guy that moves really well. Um, he's stout against the run. Also athletic, you know, obviously for his size. Um, to be an interior pass rusher, racked up 10 sacks in just three seasons with the Wolfpack. And I think maybe his most impressive play was actually against Virginia. Saw as many as three blockers in his face, but kept his eyes on the quarterback. Got into the throwing lane, took the ball into the air to himself, then returned it 18 yards for a touchdown. Athleticism, athleticism, athleticism. And I'm looking at the Lions. I think the Lions needed defensive tackle to pair with Michael Brockers. You know, they they re-signed uh, Romeo Quara, um, you know, but I, I think they'd still need to address that that line a little bit. You know, Trey Flowers, Deshaun Hand. They battled injuries last season at defensive end position. Um, I, I think. If you can get a, a, an interior pass rush with Brockers and McNeil, that's going to help out those those guys coming off the edge as well. Uh, another guy that I, I really like is, is J2 Fele out of USC. And, and this is a, a, a guy who's he's 6'3", 305. He sat out 2020 due to COVID concerns. You know, his family was hit hard due to COVID-19, so that's why he sat out. Ran a 4.9740, a 30-inch vertical leap, 30 reps in the bench press. So good athleticism, also some some solid power to his game as well. And uh, this is a guy. Look, he's a disruptive three-down lineman uh, for USC. Quick penetrator against the run. Uses that burst and powerful hands, along with a quick swim move to beat blocks to get after the passer as well. Um, needs to watch that pad level. Will get neutralized if he fires too high coming off the ball. But I think there's some scheme versatility to him. I think you know a, a team like Houston, you know they're going to look try to look for a guy that's going to replace JJ Watt. And I'm looking at a guy like J. Tufele. I think Tufele he played that uh, that five technique at SC. I think that can make some sense. This is a guy ten tackles for loss, six and a half sacks. You know a guy that I think could. Uh, make some sense there in round in that round three round four range somewhere around there um, after that you're looking at a guy like Tyler Shelvin if you're looking for a dude that's going to just clog up the middle Tyler Shelvin's going to be your guy you know he's not going to be explosive yeah he ran that 5 4 40 but look he's 6 2 350 pounds you know, you're looking for a Vince Wilfork you're looking for a Gilbert Brown. You're looking for a guy that's going to clog the middle and just take up a ton of space. And uh, you know this is going to be your guy. You know I, I look at a team like Miami, the, the, the Dolphins. They have Raekwon Davis right now, who's going to be that that over the nose. I think really Raekwon Davis might actually be better as a five technique. And, and I, I think really what you could be looking at is you get this big dude like Tyler Shelvin in there, and with, with Christian Wilkins and Emmanuel Ogba. You need some help with that pass rush. Allow Jerome Baker and, and Bernardrick McKinney uh, to fly around a little bit. Andrew Van Ginkle coming off the edge. And uh, you know, so I think you'll see McKinney and Baker making a ton of plays behind him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, where Tyler Shelvin goes. You know, another guy who sat out 2020, um, but a guy who I think can make an impact at the next level. Uh, another guy that I'm, I'm a huge fan of is Darius Stills. At his pro day, he showed up at six foot, 278 pounds, so very undersized. But he's a guy that, to me, just wreaked havoc against Big 12 defenders. Or I'm sorry, Big 12 offensive lines. And the reason why is this is a guy who plays with tremendous leverage, and he has to because he is such a small dude. But you know, when he fires off the line, um, this is a guy who just. He was splitting double teams. He was getting into the backfield, very disruptive. And that low pad level, uh, you know, able to generate some good strength at the point of attack and uh, shoots gaps in a hurry. 
And uh, what he often did was he, he would attack that in, interior lineman's outside shoulder to get into the backfield in a hurry. Tremendously productive, 23 tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks. That get off is insane. He'd line up over the nose. Again, that, you know, being undersized is a little worrisome for me. So he could end up falling uh, in that draft, probably to the, the fourth or fifth round range. But he's a football player, man. You know, I'd take him in the third to fourth round range if, if I were an NFL franchise. Um, Bobby Brown, the third. Here's a guy who's really interesting. He's 6'4, 321. Uh, 34, almost 35-inch arms, uh, a wingspan over 7 feet, uh, ran a 4.9840, 33-inch vertical leap, um, and another guy to me that plays with a ton of power. Um, a guy that I think you know bench presses guys at the point of attack and uh, you know sheds blocks in a hurry, shoots into the backfield, and makes a play on on the ball carrier. A guy who also has a short area burst. And he's going to get after the get after the quarterback a little bit for you as well. So, for me, I, I look at a guy like Bobby Brown, and uh, I think that second or I'm sorry, the, the fourth round does make some sense for him. Um, you know, when you look at some of his stats, yeah, and the stat line is kind of crazy. Um, you know, had five and a half sacks a season ago playing at that defensive tackle position. I mean, when you're six four, three twenty five. Um, you know, you're, you're expecting to really be a guy that's going to take up a lot of space and not be a guy that, that's going to be uh, someone who's making plays in the backfield. But look, five and a half sacks in nine games, that's going to get it done. And I think that's what's going to help him move him up draft boards. Um, I, I look at a guy like Jalen Twyman. This was a guy that I loved coming into the 2020 season. And uh, he's, he measured in a 6'1", 301 at, at his pro day. 40 reps at the bench press, better than uh, than Aaron Donald. And so, you know, when you look at that, the strength is definitely off the charts. Uh, and when I mentioned Aaron Donald, you know, also played at Pittsburgh. Uh, but with Twyman, you know, I, I think what I was looking forward to in 2020 um, was the encore performance after his sophomore season that saw 10 and a half sacks. And was that a product of playing, you know, with guys like like Patrick Jones, the second? Um, you know, it's it's hard to really evaluate you watch him at his pro day and he runs a 5 4 40 you know which you know that's that's really he ran the same same speed as, as a guy like Tyler Shelvin who's 6 2 350 so a little concerning there but this dude he has a ton of power and that, that short area quickness is really what's allowing him to win off the ball um, I, I think because of some of that 40 and, and uh, some of the concerns there with the athleticism uh, I, I think that could move his draft stock down at one point i thought maybe he'd be a second round pick then i moved into the third round i think he could fall to the fifth round which i think could potentially be a steal um you know because look it's hard to evaluate guys that sat out 2020 due to the covid uh covid virus um so it's something that is he out of shape you know in some regard was this a guy that was just really hitting the gym and, and hitting the weights um you know, the 5-4-40, it is somewhat concerning. But again, defensive tackles aren't running a full 40-yard dash. Um, but it's still one of those things that can be a little alarming. I have him um, still as one of my top defensive tackles. I have him in my top five because it's just rare to find defensive tackles who can put that much pressure on the quarterback. Which leads us to Marvin Williams. Marvin Williams is a guy who everyone was expecting to be the number one defensive tackle taken. Not only that, a lot of people in their mock drafts before the season had this guy in their top 10, possibly even their top five. He measures in at 6'3 and 7'8, 303 pounds, ran a 5'1, 240, um, 23 bench, uh, reps in the bench press, only 25 and a half inches in the vertical leap, so not the most explosive. But what's crazy is um, everyone fell in love with him after his junior season. Uh, you know, eight and a half tackles for loss, five sacks, um, four pass breakups as well. And, and I think that the issue with that I have with Marvin Wilson is the, the production, you know, and you know, the, the talent didn't always match what he was doing out on the football field. This was a guy to me that I thought fell flat at, at times. The motor ran hot and cold, wasn't always getting after the quarterback. When he wanted to show off his burst, he could do it. But there were always, always way too many times where he would just get, you know, single blocked. You know, I think I even saw a tight end 
handle him at the point of attack. And I'm like, what's going on here? Are we taking plays off? Um, but, you know, the play, like I said, largely inconsistent. And the, the biggest thing is, is everyone fell in love with what he did in 2019. But six and a half of his eight and a half tackles for loss and four of his five sacks were registered in just two games. That was against Louisville and Syracuse. So two tackles for loss and one sack in the remaining games in 2019. So, I mean, when you think about that, all that production in two games, everyone was like, there's the potential right there. He had 10 tackles in one of those games. Absolutely lights out. But where'd he go? 2020, he, he showed flashes, but even when he was showing the flashes, he wasn't getting home. He wasn't getting to the quarterback. He wasn't making plays on the ball. You know, look, he played in six games, 17 tackles, two tackles for loss, one sack. Not going to really get it done there. To me, I think he's a late day two. He could potentially fall to, to day three, and it wouldn't surprise me just because this is a guy, look, when you've got a guy that's not putting out effort consistently, that motor running hot and cold, you may or may not ever be able to get this guy motivated to play. So, you know, food for thought there with, with Marvin Wilson. Uh, Tommy Togiai. No question that this is a guy that's going to work hard in the in the interior of that defensive line. A guy who's you know he plays both the run and the pass. Um, you know, pretty consistent guy. Not going to be overly flashy, um, but a guy that just he he just he's a football player. He gets the job done. He's 6'1", 296. Uh, ran a 4'9", 740, 32 inch vertical leap. So decent explosion. Uh, good power at the point of attack against the run. Offered up some short area bursts as an interior pass rusher. And again, like I said, he's a well-rounded defensive tackle. I think that cements him into uh, late day two consideration. Uh, I think that makes some sense there with with Tommy Togiai. You know, again, he's going to be a work. He's going to bring a workmanlike approach. You know that's going to happen. Um, you know, have four and a half tackles for loss and three sacks. A couple of pass breakups there along the interior for Ohio State. Would have loved to have seen him come back. You know, could potentially have gotten himself into into that second round consideration. Um, but as it stands, I think he could be a late day two, early day three pick. Moving on from there, you're looking at a guy like Marlon Tuipolotu out of USC. This is a guy, look, you know, with, with Jay Tufele being out uh, due to the COVID, um, you know, not uh, you know, sitting out the season, USC needed a guy up front to really dominate, and Tuipolotu was that guy. Three down defender, stout against the point of attack against the run, but also being able to collapse the pocket with powerful bull rush, penetrating the line of scrimmage, quick get off. Excellent hands to disengage blockers. That was a thing that was was impressive. Was you watch him take on the blockers, shed, and then you know putting his body at an angle to make sure that keeping that that arm free, that outside arm free, to then corral the running back and bring him down. And you know a guy who's incredibly strong, 30 reps in the bench press, 30 and a half inch vertical leap as well. Uh, you know I think Marlon Tuipolotu could be a third round round pick. I think he'll probably be in the fourth round range. Look, he, he looked fa- you know fantastic at the Senior Bowl. Uh, a lot of those one on ones, he was winning with with some power and a good short area burst. Excellent hand usage, like I said. Um, so he's another guy to keep an eye out for. Um, two big guys in the middle that I want to talk about: uh, T.J. Slayton. They're out of Florida. And Kiaris Tonga out of BYU. So we'll start with Slayton. He's 6'4, 330. Um, you know, short arms. He's got 32 and 58 inch arms, but an 80 inch wingspan, which just means this dude is incredibly wide. And when you're talking about a dude who's 6'4, 330, you understand that. But for a guy his size, he runs a 50940 with a 29 inch vertical leap. So when you think about that, this is a dude that that is a decent athlete for a guy his size. And you see that. This is a guy who, you know, he offers up tremendous power with his hands, a run stuffer along the interior of the line, mountain of a man, takes up a lot of space, difficult to be moved off the spot, but I think he's also aggressive um, against the pass. You know, he does a good job getting into, you know, that short area burst, getting after the quarterback, collapsing the pocket with his power, um, you know, but also very aggressive, especially with his hands. Good job taking away running lanes for the running back. Short area burst coming off the ball to pursue the ball carrier as well. Um, chasing down running backs from behind. I like I like TJ Slayton. I think he's a guy that um, you know sitting in that you know that fourth round, fifth round range for me. Um, you know I think probably fifth round, but a guy who I think could end up 
making an impact for an NFL team. Uh, and then with Tonga, BYU, this is the guy in the middle. There were times where he disappeared and you're wanting to see more out of him. But look, you know, 6'4", 321 pounds, 35 reps in the bench press, so it's fourth, uh, fourth most among, amongst defensive linemen in the last five years. Uh, and this is a guy, look, um, 16 tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks, including three and a half this last this past season, 12 pass breakups as well. Um, and a guy who, you know, you'd see him pushing the pocket, you'd see him getting quick penetration against the run, can be very disruptive, takes up a lot of space as well. So that allowed those linebackers at BYU, a lot of athletic linebackers, their safeties as well, make plays behind him. Um, I, I think Tonga's a guy, he can go anywhere from, from the fourth round if a team really falls in love with him to the sixth. Um, but I think he's another guy along the interior of that line that people are going to really like. Um, I, I think uh, Taquan Graham out of Texas. A, uh, I'm sorry, out of Texas. Don't want to do that to him. Um, Taquan Graham, interesting cat, 6'4", 294. Um, ran a 4'9", 340, 32 reps in the bench press at his pro day. Uh, 21 and a half tackles for loss, six sacks. You know, a guy that I think gets decent penetration. You know, he plays behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, look, you know, 17 and a half tackles for loss in each of the last two seasons. And, you know, a, a guy that, um, I'm sorry, not each of the last two seasons, in the last two seasons combined. But Taquan Graham is, is an interesting guy. Not really a lot of hype around him. Probably a guy that's going to be in that fifth to sixth round range. Uh, but a guy who I think could end up surprising some people. Uh, another guy who I think could surprise people is Marquis Spencer um, out of uh, Mississippi State. Uh, he's 6'4", 300 pounds, but a guy who you know, also played um, you know, five technique at times, 23 uh, tackles for loss, including eight and a half this past season through nine games, seven sacks, uh, and a guy who I think, you know, he's a good athlete for a guy his size. And, and he's somebody for me that, that uh, is intriguing. I think those middle rounds, if a team's looking for somebody who I think at 6'4", 300 pounds, he could potentially be he has enough athleticism to be a uh, you know a five technique if you need him. You can throw him inside in, in a 44, uh, 43 defense and let him be a, a three technique. There is that versatility there with him, so he's an interesting guy um, that's going to be coming off the board in the middle rounds. Um, after that, you know you got a guy like Jordan Scott, forty four starts to his career with the Ducks, um, and this guy is just he's a run stuffer extraordinaire. He's a guy that's going to clog the middle of a defense. Uh, he's 6'1", 321 pounds. A guy that's just going to, he's going to be stout at the point of attack. He's going to uh, be that spark plug there. A late round guy that uh, teams could end up keeping an eye on. Uh, Jerome Johnson out of Indiana was a fun guy to watch. Uh, 6'3", 304 pounds. Um, actually, he measured in at 6'2", 296 at his pro day. Uh, 81 and a half inch uh, wingspan, 5'1", uh, 240. Um, not overly powerful, but a guy that did rack up... Uh, you know, 21 tackles for loss and 13 and a half sacks. Look, he had at least three and a half sacks each of his final three seasons with the Hoosiers. So a guy that has some quickness coming off the ball and can make plays behind the line of scrimmage. He's a guy that's going to be a mid to late rounder, but a guy that uh, I think could end up making a roster and be a rotational player. Um, Quentin Bohanna is another mountain of a man. Look, 6'4", 327 pounds, 34-inch arms. He's going to be a run stuffer in the middle of a defense. You know, a guy, look, you know, when you get those huge guys that can't be moved off the ball, you put him there in the middle. And, uh, you know, at one point, I think Kentucky was reporting that he weighed 357 pounds. But uh, at his pro day, uh, you know, actually weighed, weighed in at 327. Uh, but a guy that can definitely be a, a spark plug there in the middle of a defense. Um Let's see. Jonathan Marshall out of Arkansas is going to be an interesting guy. He's 6'3", 317. Another guy that I think you know, can play multiple positions up front. Uh, did so for Arkansas. Uh, not much of a pass rusher, but a guy that can make plays behind the line. Look, 11 tackles for loss in uh, in the last two seasons combined. Uh, so he's a guy to keep an eye on as a late rounder. Uh, Mustafa Johnson is a guy that's really interesting. Uh, just from the standpoint of you're waiting to see what exactly was going to happen with him after his, his sophomore season that was so explosive. You know, had 52 tackles on the year, 15 and a half tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks. He was so explosive firing off the football. 
Um, weighed it, you know, he's 6'2", 290 pounds um, during his playing days uh, in, at Colorado. Um, and then after that, battled some injuries in 2019, um, had four and a half sacks. And then in 2020, just six tackles for loss, three sacks. So he never really duplicated what he did in 2018, but battled some injuries. Seems to be healthy now. Um, you know, a guy who, you know, ultimately I say he's healthy, but then he has a hamstring issue at his pro day. Uh, ended up showing up weighing in at 280 pounds. A guy who I think could end up being a, a, a five technique. Um, just a guy who I think could be a late round pick, possibly an undrafted free agent. I think that's really what we're getting into now are these guys that, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they do come off the board at all. Isaiah Loudermilk out of Wisconsin. Look, 6'7", 293 pounds, ran a 4'8", 240, um, you know, 30 and a half inch vertical leap, 22 reps in the bench press. So definitely a tremendous athlete. There's no question about that. Huge guy, big wingspan, but he just didn't make a ton of plays. You know, this is a guy that, you know, in Wisconsin, he didn't always start either. And so a guy that, you know, I think he could play the five technique. You could also line him up inside at the tackle. 12 tackles for loss, eight sacks in his career. But, you know, was a guy that, again, didn't play a ton of football. You know, when you look at him, played in just 13 games over his first two seasons with the Badgers. Um, and then, obviously, only six games there in 2020. But there are other guys that were out playing him and getting out onto the football field. So you just worry if, you know, he'll ever, if it'll ever click. Is this ever going to be a guy that's going to end up uh, making plays? Is the potential ever going to, you know, the, I guess, is the production ever going to catch up to the, to the, to the potential? And that's really a, a big concern that I have for, for him. But I'll give you a name of a guy that uh, you know to be on the on the lookout for as a late round pick and a guy that I think can end up um, you know making some plays at the next level. And that's Jared Hewitt out of Virginia Tech. Look, he's only 6'1, 288. But uh, a guy that you know was pretty consistent over the last couple of years there for the Hoosier, I'm sorry, for the Hokies. Uh, 16 and a half tackles for loss and nine and a half sacks in this guy's career. A guy who's explosive coming off the football, very strong at the point of attack as well. A guy that's going to make you know, be disruptive um, against the run, get a quick penetrator, but can also push the pocket and get after the quarterback in the passing game as well. So he's another guy that you definitely have to be mindful of uh, in those later rounds. And uh, as I look through the rest of the group, you know, I think that's really you know, that's really about it in terms of the guys that I'm going to really be looking for to get drafted. There's some other names that are going to be out there as potential um, potential undrafted free agents. But again, this is going to be a draft class that uh, isn't going to be overly overly strong at the at the top. Um, I think you're going to see the middle rounds where you're really going to see the depth overall. Um, but some of the names to be on the lookout for uh, as we move into you know the undrafted free agents, you got Naquan Jones out of Michigan State, 6'4", 340 pounds, um, big dude at the point of attack, had five, uh, let's see, 14 and a half tackles for loss, including five this past season. Um, you know, so a guy that's going to be physical um, along the interior there, Kyrie Campbell. Um, you know, a, a guy, you know, there for Florida, 6'4", 295 pounds. He'll be an interesting guy that could potentially get drafted. I think he'll probably end up being an undrafted free agent. Michael Dwumfer um, was at Michigan, transferred to Rutgers. Um, a guy that, uh, you know, battled some injuries. Um, you know, and so he's a guy that I think is looking for some redemption, looking for a second chance there. Um, Austin Fowlu for, for Oregon, 6'3", 300. He's a guy that was kind of a role player there for the Ducks. Um, but a guy that I think could end up potentially working his way onto a practice squad. Um, looking at the rest of the group, Dan Archibong was a guy that, uh, you know, three-year, might have actually been a four-year starter there at, at Temple, 6'6", 300 pounds, definitely has tremendous size. Um, a guy that looked eight pass breakups in his career there with the Owls. He'll be a guy to keep an eye out for. Watch him to potentially go to Carolina. You know, Matt Rule loves his guys from Temple and Baylor. He might be a guy that could end up being either a late round pick, possibly a seventh rounder, or an undrafted free agent. But watch him going to Carolina. I think that's ultimately going to be his landing spot. Uh, Jack Heflin um, was at Northern uh, Illinois, transfers to Iowa, 6'4", 312. Um, with the, the Huskies, look, 17 and a half tackles for loss, nine sacks. 
Um, didn't, you know, he's a rotational player there for the Hawkeyes, so didn't have as much of an impact with them. But he's a guy to keep an eye out for because he does have some athleticism there at the defensive tackle position, can make some plays behind the line of scrimmage. So those are some guys to be on the lookout for as potential undrafted free agents that could end up not only making a camp, but potentially make it onto the practice squad. And those are my defensive tackles. So made it through quite a few uh, defensive tackles, hopefully you know, in, in, in a short period of time here. Hopefully that helps get kind of an idea of what we're dealing with here at that defensive tackle position. Not a lot of, of guys that are going to excite you at the top of the draft. You know, I think you have to get excited about Christian Barmore. You worry about the inexperience, but a guy that definitely can collapse the pocket. Eight sacks as a, you know, really he was lining up all over that line for Bama. He's really intriguing. Milton Williams is another guy that's tremendously intriguing to me because of all that athleticism. Davion Nixon, if you listen to my podcast from from the beginning of the season, he was the guy that caught my eye from day one. I'm watching film, uh, I'm watching the games, and I'm like, who is this guy? Um, you know, because he, he had, you know, it wasn't his first year there at, at Iowa, but a guy that really wasn't making an impact uh, like he did. Right off the bat, I mean, Davion Nixon, look, um, every time I was I was watching film and trying to watch other players, I just kept seeing 54 flash. 54 making plays, uh, shooting into the backfield. And uh, so I think he's a guy, uh, day two pick to keep an eye out for. And then Levi Amuzurike, um, definitely an intelligent guy, going to be that leader um, there along the defensive line. I think those are the four guys to really be excited about at the top of the draft. But then you have the depth in, in those middle rounds with Aline McNeil and uh, and uh, Bobby Brown, the, the third, Darius Stills, uh, Marlon Tuiapolotu, and J2 Fele from USC, Tommy Togiai, Jalen Twyman, uh, Tyler Shelvin. You, know, you have that group along with uh, Kiaris Tonga and TJ Slayton, the big guys on the middle. And then the, the guys to me that would be intriguing in the fifth or sixth round, Taquan Graham and, and Marquis Spencer. And then the, the late round guys, uh, you know, your Jerome Johnsons, your, your Jordan Scotts, Quentin Bohanna. Um, you know, so, and then I forgot to mention Marvin Wilson. He's the, the guy that could go as high as the second round and as low as the fifth round um, with the way that, uh, you know, he, that, that lack of motor just really for me is concerning. Uh, more than anything else so it'll be interesting to see how the defensive tackle plays out um but next podcast we're going to be talking linebackers so this is an interesting year for for linebackers a lot of guys at the top of the draft and you know this is a a draft unlike unlike some that we've seen you know when you look at last year's draft we only have four linebackers taken in round one with isaiah simmons kenneth murray jordan brooks and patrick queen but when you look at this year's draft class you know, you've got quite a few guys that are mentioned as potential first rounders. And so you've got, you know, uh, Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa, Zaven Collins, my favorite guy. Uh, and then not to mention Micah Parsons. Then you've got Aziz Ojulari coming off the edge. You've got um, Jamin Davis. And you've also got Nick Bolton. So a lot of guys. Oh, and don't forget, you know, Baron Browning. Baron Browning is a guy to me, you know, tremendously athletic, a guy that, you know, he, he's lining up for Ohio State. He and Pete Werner were lining up against guys in the slot, slot receivers, um, and showing tremendous athleticism out there as well. Uh, can't forget Baron Browning. He could end up being a steal uh, on day two. Jabril Cox uh, transferred from North Dakota State to LSU and promptly, you know, returns a, you know, an interception for a touchdown in his debut. Um, so another guy who's really intriguing. So those are guys really at the top of the draft. And then you got Chas Surratt, you got Dylan Moses, uh, Quincy Roche. He's going to be a, an edge rusher in a 34 defense. Chris Rumpf out of Duke is intriguing as a pass rusher. Um, you know, Monty Rice is a veteran. Shaka Tony is going to be a nice pass rusher for a team. Uh, Tony Fields, a guy on the, uh, as a, um, an inside backer, Justin Hilliard, uh, Rayshard Ashby, uh, Riley Cole's a guy that I think is intriguing there out of uh, South Alabama. Hamilcar Rashad, one of the top pass rushers. Um, how about Cam, Cam McGrone? 
Cam McGrone there out of Michigan. He's the guy that I think is, is going to end up being a day two pick. How about Jacoby Stevens? Jacoby Stevens was a line, was a, a safety there at LSU. He'll end up playing linebacker at the next level. He's one of those guys that I think can have some of that versatility. And one of my favorite guys there out of Purdue. Come on. We got to talk about Derek Barnes. We'll be doing that in the next podcast. Garrett Wallow out of TCU is another guy to keep an eye out for. Um, you know, Patty Fisher ran a, a slow 40. Is he going to get drafted? You got Jordan Scott out of UAB, raw with a lot of skills and a lot of ability. Isaiah McDuffie, another guy there out of BC. Not the best athlete in the world, but definitely has a nose for the football. Um, so this is an interesting draft class at that linebacker position. A lot of guys to be interested in, a lot of guys to talk about. And uh, you know, with the this new age of football, you're looking for those new age linebackers. And so you're looking at guys that are going to be able to cover a lot of ground, guys that can line up not only against running backs and tight ends, but potentially cover uh, receivers as well, which is why Jeremiah Wusukoromoa and why Baron Browning and why Jamin Davis are going to be so intriguing. You got to have guys who can get after the quarterback like Aziz Ojulari and Micah Parsons. And then with with guys like like Zayvon Collins and Nick Bolton, these are guys that are going to be sideline to sideline players. It can be versatile to drop into coverage and get after the quarterback a little bit as well. So, Lot to cover with the linebacker position. Hopefully, you'll you'll uh, enjoy that content because um, there's going to be a lot to talk about. So we'll hit that hard. We'll hit it fast and furious here in the next few days. Get that out to you. Uh, but until then, I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their weekend and they enjoy their weekend. And um, we'll go ahead and, and uh, wrap this one up. And uh, we'll talk again soon here in the next few days. So for readyforthedraft.com, This has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. The draft is just two weeks away. I can't wait. I hope you're as excited as I am. And until next time, everyone, take care, and I am out of here.